Join me please tonight in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. It's been a long day. I know some of you are tired. Many of you give out. I know I am, but we'll see what happens here. I, I want to pick... I want to pick back up where we left off, but I feel like I need to back up and just kind of review um, this series. We've been looking at Ephesians chapter 2. You can remain seated. Where the Bible says in verse number 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, and we should walk in them. We've been looking at this, we are his workmanship. I quoted verse 8 and 9 this morning. I quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 a lot. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we always have visitors. Many of them come from church backgrounds that believe in work salvation. Okay? And those two verses right there are about as clear as it gets when you're talking about salvation is not by works. And the Bible is very clear. Not of yourselves in verse number 8. You're saved by grace through faith. Not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And I, I emphasized that this morning out of John 3 about that new birth. It's a supernatural working of God. And it's not by works. You can't earn your way to heaven. We're saved by grace through faith. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're not saved by our works. But I love how that he changes gears in verse number 10. It says, for we are his workmanship. We don't get saved by our works, but once we get saved, then God starts working on us. I just love it when the Bible is just almost poetic in the way that it works it in. And we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We don't work to get saved, but after we get saved, God starts working on us and guess what? It will produce good works. I love that. Don't get the horse, don't get the, don't get turned around. Don't get your good works all before you get saved. Get saved and then God will let you have some good works and men will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But we've started looking at this several weeks ago. We are his workmanship. The, the Christian, the believer, the child of God. God is working on us. And I'm just going to do a quick recap, see how far we get in part four. But we saw the process, the process of the, the, the workmanship, and it involves several things. It involves talent. The one doing the working must be capable. Amen. Not just anybody can do that face painting out there today. We, 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 we selected people that have some artistic abilities. You notice some of them was doing cotton candy. Some of them was putting mustard on hot dogs. And some of them was face painting, all right? We picked them on purpose like that, all right? Some people putting mustard on a hot dog is just about the extent of their talent. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, the, 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 the point I'm making is God working on us. He knows what he's doing. He's capable. He's not in over his head. You say, but I've got all kinds of issues and you don't know my background and my past and you don't know who I was before I got saved. Hey, God's got this. Talent. It involves trouble. There's always a challenge. You say, well, I know I'm a challenge. Yeah, but it's God we're talking about. He can handle it. Amen. If he can speak the worlds into existence, Amen. I believe he can handle you and your issues. Amen. Amen. It involves a talent. It involves trouble. It involves time. It always takes time. 
He's going to be working on us till Jesus comes back or till we are kicking up daisies, one of the two, all right? And it involves tools. A master craftsman always has a variety of tools. God knows how to get the job done. But then it, we talked about the trophy at the end of it. When it's all said and done, he will be able to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, Jude verse 24. So that's the process, all right? Then secondly, we looked at the problem. We looked at the problem. And here is the problem and it's kind of connected in with verse number eight and nine. And that is this, we, we always want to do it ourselves. We want to earn our way to heaven. I say we, I'm talking about mankind in general. Most religions and most churches and most denominations, Brother Roth, teach some kind of a works-based salvation. There's only a, a couple that does not. Baptists are one of them. Where we believe that, that, that when Jesus said it is finished on the cross of Calvary, that's what he meant. He paid for our salvation. All we have to do is by faith receive it. You got people that believe that you're saved by grace and you're kept saved by your works. We don't believe that either. Paul said like this in Galatians, aren't you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? We're saved by grace. We're kept by grace. Come on now. And then when it comes over to the we are his workmanship, we want to take the tools out of the master's hand and work on ourselves. That's the problem. And the reason why it is a problem is because our approval is inconsistent. Our standards variate from day to day. Some days we have a high standard and some days we have the attitude of, well, that's close enough for government work. You ever said that before? Our approval is inconsistent. Our aim is inaccurate. Men strive for goodness. God strives for perfection. Big difference. Yeah. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. That's what the word sin means, falling short of the mark, missing the mark. Our approval is inconsistent. Our aim is inaccurate. Our ability is insufficient. Let's just be honest. We don't have the ability to change ourselves into the image of God. We cannot do it. God has to be the one to do it. All right? And then our agenda is impure. If we could, if we could conform ourselves into his own image, we would taint it with an impure motive and agenda. It would not be for the same reasons why God does it, which is to bring him glory and to reflect Christ to a lost and dying world. We'd do it so we could sit in a Jubilee or camp meet, look over the person beside us and say, I'm more spiritual than you. they are. I look, I, I'm better than they are. That's how we think. That's how we are. It's better when God does it because he does it for the right reasons. Amen. We preached about that. I can't repeat all of it. The third thing we looked at was the pattern. We started this a few weeks ago. The pattern. Our pattern for his workmanship is very plain and simple. And that is he designed for us to be conformed to the image of his son. Well, I've been chewing on this for a long time. Genesis 1. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Is that not what he said? God wanted a representation of himself on this earth. And when he saved you and he saved me, he wanted us, Romans 8, 29. He predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. Call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, 
Little Christs is what Christian means. The book of Acts, they were called Christians first at Antioch. It was a derogatory, it was an insult, it was a negative label that was put on these people, but they had been taught for a year. They assembled themselves with the church and they were taught by Paul and Barnabas. And as a result of that discipleship and as a result of being grounded, as a result of that one-on-one teaching and training, they began to look like Jesus Christ to the point to where the world called them Christians. That was back when if you were a Christian, you'd get fed to the lions. Thrown in prison, you were killed. Apostle Paul, before he got saved, went into towns and houses and, and arrested Christians. They're starting to look like Christ. Ain't it something how that your family don't have a problem with you being a drug addict? They don't have a problem with you drinking every dime you make, drinking it up on a bar stool on Friday night. They have no problem with you being a gambler or an addict of any kind. They don't have a problem with you coming home from work and punching your wife in the face and treating your kids like a dog. They don't have a problem with that, showing up late to work, getting fired every six weeks. They don't have a problem with you getting behind on your bills and getting your car and your house repossessed. But start looking like Jesus Christ. It gets on people's nerves. That's always been that way. It's always been that way. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've dealt with it in your own family. That's why he said in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's our pattern. Not the person beside you in the church. Listen to me. Not the deacons, not the Sunday school teacher, not the pastor or the pastor's family. And the Bible's very clear. Those of us in leadership are supposed to be examples of the believer. Not taken away from that. There's a difference in being an example. There's a difference in us being an encouragement. There's a difference in us provoking one another to love and good works and being the pattern. Jesus Christ is the pattern. That's the goal, okay? That's the goal right there. The pattern is the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's some things about him that we will never be able to, to, to duplicate. Communi- communi- I'm, I'm going to get tongue-tied saying it's communicative traits and non-communicative. Yeah. There's some traits he has that we can't have. There's some that we can have. We should have. We looked at a few of these the other day. I picked back up with being submissive. Being submissive, I believe, is one of them. All right, Jesus Christ set an example of what it means to submit to the will of God. All right, we quoted those verses this morning out of, out of Philippians chapter number 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was submissive to his father. We've already preached all this, but I just want to go back and touch on it. I'm going to tell you one of the first signs that God is making some headway in mind in your life as Christians is when we learn to look at God and say, not my will. But thy be done. And sometimes we'll say it with sweat running down our face. It's hard. It was, hey, Jesus had sweat running down his face as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Huh? It was blood. As it were, great drops of blood. I mean, it was a stressful, stressful submission. Come on, y'all. 
Anybody been there yet? Where it was all you could do to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus did. Sure he did. Being submissive to the will of God. Well, so much more we could say about that. The second point was being spiritually minded. Jesus set an example and a pattern for us to follow, being spiritually minded. God, help us when we're living our life on this earth, doing what we have to do as human beings. I mean, our, just our normal life, brushing our teeth, eating breakfast, driving to work, working, driving home, take a shower, change clothes, eat supper, our normal life. Somehow, while we're doing all of that, ask God to help us have our mind on a spiritual level to where we're thinking about eternal things and we're not so tunnel vision that all we can think about is the temporary and the carnal things. Jesus was always thinking on a spiritual level. No greater example of that. Romans chapter number 8, verse 5, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Jesus in Luke 2, verse 49, how is it that you sought me? Wist you not that I must be about my father's business? 12 years old. 12 years old. Just think about spiritual things. I mean, all the time, just spiritually minded. I heard a preacher one time say, some people are so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. I hadn't met too many of them, just to be honest with you. I've met a lot of people that were too earthly minded to be of any heavenly good. Jesus said like this in Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The whole chapter of Matthew 6, he talks about don't take no thought for your life. Take no thought for what you shall eat. All you think about is what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat and money and making paying bills. Don't think about that. Jesus said, I'll take care of that. You, you've put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's how Jesus operated. Being spiritually minded. Number three, Jesus set a pattern of being soul conscious. Last Wednesday night's message was, was stout. Lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They're wide already into harvest. Souls, souls. It's all about souls. Those folks that got saved today, that is why the church was left here. We weren't left here to have softball team. We weren't left here to have potlucks. We weren't left here to hang out and have a good time. We weren't left here. No, we were left here to reach the world, okay? And we need to think like Jesus Christ. Jesus saw people. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He saw them and he was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes. The disciples just saw a bunch of people following them everywhere and getting on their nerves. But Jesus saw them with people having needs and he came. Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. That's why he came. We ought to be always thinking about souls, being soul conscious. John 4, I must needs go through Samaria. Why you want to detour over there through Samaria? The Jews hated the Samaritans. They were half Jew, half Gentile. The Gentiles didn't like them and the Jews didn't like them. They were hated by everybody. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. What do you need to go through there for? There was one little old woman over there. 
been chewed up and spit out by the devil. She's had five husbands and the one she's living with now is not her husband. I want to go by there and save that woman. Number four, I don't know if we got this far or not last time. Jesus set the pattern for us being sanctified. Sanctified. Y'all know what that word means, don't you? Sanctified, set apart, set apart. Did we get this far last time? I can't remember. It's been several weeks. It's God's will for every born again, blood-bought child of God to be sanctified. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 17, verse 17. said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then in verse 19, here's what he said. This is Luke. This, this is Jesus in John 17, 19. And for their sakes, Jesus is talking to the Father. The disciples are just listening. Jesus is talking to the Father in John 17, Lord's Prayer. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. He set an example, a pattern of sanctification. And this is going to this is going to be this is going to be a doctrine, and this is going to be a practice that's going to affect a lot of areas of our life every single day. Because multiple times throughout the day, the Christian needs to remind themselves, ye are not your own. You're bought with a price. It's not what do I want to do today. It's not where I want to go today. It's where does he want me to go? What does he want me to do? I'm set apart. I'm sanctified. Jesus was sanctified. Jesus was set apart. He had a specific task and a specific duty and a mission to accomplish. And he said, I sanctify myself that they may sanctify themselves. He's the pattern. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 23, Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, and the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y. The very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctification. Body, soul, and spirit. Triune beings. We were made in the image of God. God's a trinity. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. He made man in his own image. We're tripartite beings. Body, soul, spirit. Paul said you need to sanctify all of them. Holy sanctified. We got a lot of Christians that are trying to be sanctified in their spirit, but they don't want to be sanctified in their body. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, present your bodies a living sacrifice. You need to be sanctified all over. Come on now. When the world sees you, when the world sees you, they ought to know there's something different about you. That's right. Brother James and I went, went hunting Friday morning <clears throat> at lunch. We went to a restaurant. We were sitting there, looked up and saw an older couple walk in the door. And I said to James, I said, that's a pastor and his wife right there. I said, I'll, I'll bet you. How much did I say? I said, I'll bet you. How much? I don't know. He said, I don't bet. I was like, shut up. I'm making a point. <laughs> I don't bet. I bet you $100 that's a pastor and his wife that just walked in this restaurant. And I said, I'm going to go a step further. They're Pentecostal. Wow. <laughs> we finished eating. 
and I walked by the table. I said, you're a preacher, ain't you? He said, yes, sir, I sure am. I said, can I pull up a chair and talk to y'all a little bit? I've been hanging out with James all morning. I need some spiritual spiritual company. We sat there and talked for a little bit. Brother O'Donnell, they was holding us, just like I said. And I was sitting there talking to them, and I felt the presence of God on them. Now, we would disagree on a couple things. Come on now. We would disagree on a couple things. But I felt God on them. It was all I could do to pull myself away and drive three hours back home. I want to sit there and hang out with them a little bit. We say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying I knew, I knew they were Christians the minute I laid eyes on them. I mean, the minute I turned around in my chair and I saw that man and his wife walk in the door, I looked at James, I said, that man right there's a preacher. And we sat down and we got talking. <clears throat> We had some good fellowship. Good fellowship. See, we got Christians today that are afraid to get sanctified. Because when you get sanctified, people, people that's not sanctified is going to laugh at you sometimes. Now, sometimes they won't. They'll respect you. They just won't tell you that. But some of them, are carnal enough and, and full of the devil enough to make you feel stupid and silly for being sanctified. Right. But Jesus said, I've sanctified myself because I, my, I want my children to be sanctified. Right. Jesus was sanctified. Come on now. This doctrine all people don't talk too much about. They get real nervous. Well, he's preaching to fix start naming all my sins. Let me tell you something. Listen to me very carefully. The preacher ain't got to name any of them. The Holy Spirit of God will tell you everything you're doing wrong if you'll listen to him. He'll tell you. God will tell you. I tell you what you do. You get in that book right there. You read that book half as much as you watch television. And you talk to God half as much as you talk to everybody else, and he'll start telling you some stuff. And you won't be one of them people's like, well, I don't find that in the Bible. Holy Spirit of God will show you all kind of stuff. I hate to tell you this. That ain't in the Bible. The principle's there. The precepts are there. Is everybody okay? We're talking about we are his workmanship. When God starts working on you, he ain't going to leave you like he found you. And I don't want to pop your bubble, but if you let him work on you, you'll start looking like Jesus. You better believe you will. And people will know it. How would you like to walk in a restaurant and immediately, the minute you walk in the door, everybody in there knows you're a Christian? You say, well, that's a little much. Actually, Actually, it's not. That's why he said, here's what he said right here. He said, glorify God in your body. 
which were gods. Is that what he said? Yep. Sure he did. Glorify God in your body. Yeah. Your body is a temple. The temple. The temple of the Holy Ghost. Right. If you're saved, the Holy Ghost dwells in you. Right. We're remodeling this little old house over here just so that it will be nice for missionaries when they drop in. Is everybody okay? And I don't believe it can be too nice. I had Miss Barley, I, I, I called Brother Barley, Miss Barley, she's real good at finding deals. And she's more patient with shopping than I am. I hate to shop. I hate to shop. I find what I'm looking for, I just buy it. It could be one cheaper, one aisle over, but if I find what I'm looking for, generally I just buy it. And I get home, like, you know, you could have got that over there, so-and-so. And I was like, I don't want to go all the way over there. I was standing right there. It was right there. I got it, and I'm done. Anybody else like that? I hate shopping. I hate shopping. <clears throat> but Miss Barley loves to shop. <laughs> At least that's what her husband said in the prayer request time. <laughs> no, I knew she could find us some bargains. We needed a gas stove, we needed a refrigerator, we needed a washing machine and dryer, and needed a microwave. And I said, I want one of them refrigerators that's got the, got the ice and the water in the door. Did we get that? You get that? I, I like ice and, and water in the door. I don't want to be opening up the freezer and taking out the ice trays and doing all this jive action. I want ice cubes, crushed or cube, come on now, and water. That's what I wanted. And our missionaries deserve the best. We didn't go to Salvation Army and buy appliances for this house over here because it's for our missionaries. And we're remodeling it, putting all new carpet in there. It's been like five different families has lived in there. Well, we could have shampooed it, but we're ripping it out and we're putting new carpet in there. It had like six different kinds of ceilings in there, for real. Slick, slick finish, stippled, uh, drop, drop ceiling tiles, acoustical tiles, tongue and groove. I mean, every room had a different ceiling in it. You walk in the door, there was four different kinds of doors. I took a picture, it was like four different, none of the doors matched, none of the doorknobs matched. You said, ain't no big deal. Well, that's why I didn't ask you to do it because I hate that kind of stuff. <laughs> I hate that kind of stuff. Walk in there and make it right. House like it was built out of a salvage pile. Change all the doors, change the carpet, change all the ceiling. Put new, put new mattresses, brand new mattresses. We got a set of mattress and box springs on this for this mission house over here, like a four thousand dollar set of mattress and box springs. We got it for like eleven hundred bucks. That's a no brainer. Amen. Amen. We ain't even got to pray about it. Just get it. Amen. And 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 brother Morrison and his wife with the Morrison sisters, they were the first ones to sleep on it. And he said to me, he said, you said you're remodeling this house. You're going to buy all new furniture? I said, yeah. He said, man, anything in the world wrong with that bed? I said, I guess not. We just bought it yesterday. <laughs> he said, man, that was a good sleeping bed. I said, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. And I wanted to be nice and have, a, have new cabinets and new light fixtures and, and a new sink and new faucet and, 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 a, and a cabinet in there with a, with a coffee maker and a Keurig and, and all the stuff so that you can make coffee. You say, preacher, what in the world are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. We're doing all of that for a house, an old house, just for missionaries to stay in. Now, how much trouble you reckon we ought to go to 
what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being sanctified. I'm talking about living right. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to give that up. I don't want to, ain't nothing wrong with that. Hang on a second. We're talking about the Holy Ghost here. We're talking about the Holy Ghost. If it ain't too good over here, if we can't, if it ain't too good for the missionary, then what do you reckon we ought to do for God? I'm tired of people saying, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, what's right about it? Romans 1 says, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is not the preacher's job to have to prove to you that it's wrong. It is your job to prove it's right. The burden of proof is on us. Come on. Sanctified. 2 Timothy 2.21, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. 1 Thessalonians 4.4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. It's all through the Bible. Look at all the times God used the word sanctified, sanctify, sanctification. It's all through there. And Jesus set the example of being sanctified. Number five, write this down, we're done. He set a pattern for being a servant. Being a servant. See if we ever understand this part right here. It will change the way we look at everything. Never again will you as a child of God say, I have to do this or that. You will say, I get to do this or that. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter number 20, verse number 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. One of the things that I've tried to drive into the hearts, instill into the hearts of our staff, our church workers, is this right here. If you'll come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, if you'll come to church with a heart to serve and minister, guaranteed, guaranteed, you will get a blessing. Amen. Guaranteed. You say, well, I just want to come and sit back and get ministered unto. No, you probably will miss out. Right. <laughs> You'll miss out. There's the level of engagement. The level, the level of, of mental and spiritual engagement when you're on the serving and ministering end is off the chain. Right. It's off the chain. I was teaching Sunday school this morning. Brother Angel, I got the biggest blessing teaching Sunday school this morning. When you're singing, when you're giving, and everything that you do, you do it out of a heart of service. The joy and the fulfillment that God will give you is unbelievable. A lot of people go to church and it's like, all right, I got my seat, I'm ready for the show. Yeah. 
A man and his wife complaining about the service going home from church one day. A little boy sitting in the back seat. He, thought, he said, I thought it was a pretty good show for a dollar. Jesus, Philippians 2, 6 and 7, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was God. Okay, y'all? He was God. Jesus was God. Made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. Was made in the likeness of men. Jesus said like this in John 13, verse 13 down through verse number 17. He called me master and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. Boy, that'll preach for about a month. You call me master, you call me Lord. Jesus said, I'll say amen to that because I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. And he said in verse 17, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. You want to be a happy Christian? Be like Jesus. Be a servant. When you show up, you're not asking for somebody to roll out the red carpet for you. You got there 30 minutes early. You got to roll the red carpet out of the, out of the closet. You went ahead, rolled it out, vacuumed it, sprayed it with Febreze and rolled it back up and put it right there next to so when somebody else shows up, you can roll out the red carpet for them. A little carnal example. But I'm telling you right now, serving people, serving people, you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving people. Waiting on people, ministering to people, seeing about people, making sure people are taken care of and loved on. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did.